0: Welcome back to the Fullcast and Crew podcast. As ever, I'm your host, Jason Silo. And this week, we're going to do an episode about one of my favorite filmic conventions, one-sided phone calls, which was interesting to research because, although I've mentioned these when they've come up on previous films that we've done on the podcast, once I started researching this episode, I realized there were at least three different Subgenres of phone calls in movies—probably four or five to be really specific—but it wasn't quite as easy as I had anticipated. Uh, and I'm going to get into, so I basically split the calls that came up most often as I sort of researched this fairly deeply, which is kind of interesting. I'll talk about that in a second as well. But I also found a brilliant supercut of phone calls in movies, which I'm going to play here. See how many of these you can identify.
1: Hello? Hello? Who's there? I'm talking.
2: Hello?
3: Hello? Who is this?
2: You know what this is. This is Jason Bourne. Wait a minute, give me somebody else.
3: Ghostbusters, what do you
2: want? Can you bring me my chapstick? Negative. Just do it. Listen. (laughs) Listen carefully, this is an emergency call from Air Force One.
1: This is the president. Connect me to the vice president, please. He wants to talk to you. Hello. This is the last close Who is this? Your worst nightmare. Now, wait a minute. Just hold on. This is your wake-up call, pal.
3: Who is this? It's me. Just
1: want to know if you're wearing panties.
0: Maybe we should just take some time off from each other. It's not you, it's me, it's what It's what I'm going through.
4: I'm pregnant.
2: Terrific. So you're saying I should worry? You know how this is gonna turn out, don't you? You will be caught, you will go to prison. Where do you think this was going?
1: Slow down, now what?
3: Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. I right, you didn't fall asleep, did you? Uh, Doc, uh, no. I'm not trying to be dramatic, but I would rather be shot in the face and eat this stupid food. Put that cookie down! Now!
1: Okay, okay. Look, um, where are you? We are at the spa at the hotel. What?
2: I'm in a coffin. I don't know where. Please help. I'm scared. I will look for you. I will find you. And
5: I will kill you. All right, look, man. All right, hold up, hold up. Calm down, calm down. I'm trying to hook you up, man. I'm on your side, man. Do you want to go to war? Come on, do you want to go to war? We'll take you to war, okay? Well, well
1: I can't hear you very well. Come closer to the telephone. Sheriff's office, please.
4: The caller is in the house. The calls are coming from the house. What is
5: the transmission? Show me the money. If you shut up for five minutes, I can tell you where the money is. I can tell you where it is.
2: Now listen, we can do this the easy way or the hard way. (laughs) Whoa.
5: Whoa, hold
3: your horses man, what, what's the problem?
2: Help us, please! Come help us, we're trapped inside of
3: here! Right, well I think if you were in trouble you would have called the cops and not me. Now I got another call, okay? Cow. I gotta go, Julia, we got cows!
2: Bye-bye.
3: <sighs> Is this a fake hang-up? It's a fake (laughs) hang-up.
0: That's a brilliant supercut by the YouTube channel BurgerFiction.com, which also includes, if you go there, I'll put a link to this in the show notes, it includes all of the names of the films in order of appearance. I'm tempted to read them all to you now, but I won't, as it's an auditory medium. So once you start diving into this, you realize that for screenwriters... Using phone calls is frequently essential and often challenging in the sense that you can see in some of the ones that we're going to cover that some directors or screenwriters have taken trouble to try to do something new or different. Others rely upon their actors in different ways, and I'm not really going to get into TV moments here as much as I could, because that's probably a whole other episode. You know, we've talked at length about Jim Rockford's answering machine. Um, Bob Newhart did them on all of his various television shows because that's something that he's known for. I've recently done films like The Verdict, which feature a number of brilliant Paul Newman phone call scenes really worth digging into. And you can Check out my episode 40 glimpses of Paul Newman for some highly specific dissection of the genius of Newman's phone call work there. And of course the verdict ends with a phone not answered, which is interesting. And in Galvin's not picking up the phone, we, the audience, see the character's progress, his growth away from the selfishness of his earlier iterations and actions in the film. I'm not gonna get too much into horror because again, that's a whole other separate category. Phone calls in horror movies are really their own category. And it's interesting to think why that is. There's a vulnerability to being on the phone, obviously, in a scene, not only for the tropes and the conventions of when someone is on a telephone, their attention is focused on being on the phone so things that happen behind them or on the sides of the screen can be used to great effect. Um, and obviously directors have taken that to nth degrees, like Freddy's tongue coming out of the phone in A Nightmare on Elm Street. The trope of the calls are coming from inside the house, which you just heard excerpted in the supercut from Black Christmas, a 1974 film that Rick and I covered in our weird Christmas holiday special uh, in December of last year. You can check that out. Or in A Stranger Calls from 1979, which gets a lot of credit for, I guess, quote-unquote, inventing that trope. But, of course, you just heard it in Black Christmas five years previous. So, of course, Drew Barrymore and Scream, there's the long phone call there that's sort of silly and ridiculous, but has become a famous thing. So, as I said, phones, cell phones particularly, have become a source of hand-wringing by screenwriters that you can read about. If you're weird like me and you like to look at Reddit threads, where screenwriters basically post a version of the following, which is, help, I'm writing a screenplay, and the fact of cell phones basically ruins my entire plot, and I've only realized this now, what the hell can I do? And there's a a lot of hilarious suggestions from other well-intentioned screenwriters who suggest things like, how about you do a thing where all the people going away for the weekend agree to put their phones in a lockbox and other totally implausible (laughs) scenarios that they're doing because the reality of a cell phone means that both in the immediate access to all of the world's information and the ability to communicate in a variety of different ways via text or call, FaceTime, it, it changes what audience expectations of character behavior is on screen. And you have to kind of deal with that in a way that, as an audience member, you, you don't really have to dig too deep into it. But it's pretty funny if you look at some of the screenwriting threads on Reddit. Here's another just little pet peeve. You know, I love, and I've talked, I think about the tactile nature of 70s British telephones in particular. You know, I'm a big fan of the original BBC, John Le Carré adaptations of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy and Smiley's People. And these heavy bakelite phones uh, are so tactile and they—they, they, it's like the equivalent of a 76 Oldsmobile door closing. Like it feels like it would take your arm off. It closes with such a momentum of its own and a weight. By the same token, telephones of the 70s have a weight that to me is more significant. I was watching a BBC mystery series uh, last night, which is very good. It's called The Unforgotten. And the cops are using these 2000s kind of corporate plastic phones that we've all had in every office job. Well, remember when we used to go to offices and have office jobs? But those, I don't even have one anymore. That's That's how beyond that we kind of are now. I don't have an office phone on my desk. But those kind of corporate plastic phones that just don't have that tactile sense, I think, of the scenes in Heat when Wes Studi's detective character on Pacino's detective squad is in their kind of brutalist, modernist detective uh, office, and Pacino exhorts them to get working on various angles of the case, and in order to do so, they're picking up these phones and they're hitting those digital dial tones. And it just doesn't, it, it, it works in its own sense, but it just doesn't have the consequence. It feels inconsequential and sort of cheap sounding. Now, another thing that I came across, I haven't seen this show, uh, the Oh Hello show that was on Broadway. They actually do a funny take about We phone the calls. great traditions of the theater and that is why we plan to pay home page to them tonight.
5: For example, the one-sided telephone call. Oh, this is very good. The one-sided telephone call. This is when a character in a play does a telephone call, but they repeat all the phone call information out loud to the other characters in stage. And now we humbly present the one-sided telephone call. Oh hello. Well, Chad, I'm sure. The
1: police? That's who you are. <laughs> A car accident? George's daughter? Her head ended up where? Are they talking, are they- I'm on the phone. I'm on the phone, man. <laughs> okay, huh?
3: Well, I'll tell him. Well, chant I'm sure. George, my, my friend of all friends, uh, look at me. I have
5: awfully <laughs> possibly horrible news, but that was a one-sided telephone call. <laughs>
0: So that's Nick, Nick Kroll and John Mulaney, I think did that. Oh, hello on Broadway. I don't really understand those characters. I'm not sure why they pronounce weirds words, weirds words strangely, but there you have it. So I'm not the only one-sided telephone call freak out there. And what I like about that particularly is that they are, they too split the pie exactly as I realized I needed to in this episode, which is there are true one-sided phone calls, which is for the purposes of this episode, a phone call where the only person you hear speaking is the character that is on the phone call. You don't see a cutaway to other actors. You don't even hear another voice coming through the phone or hear the other side of the phone call. Obviously, right there in the name, one-sided phone call. But what I realized is if you Google one-sided phone call, you get a lot of calls that aren't actually one-sided phone calls. Now, I mentioned that Bob Newhart is kind of the er-protagonist of the one-sided phone call. He's done these in his bits for years.
5: Right now, ladies and gentlemen, Bob Newhart.
0: This is a bit he does about Abe Lincoln talking to his modern press secretary.
4: Thank you very much. Many of you may have read The Hidden Persuaders. It's about advertising. And one of the points the book made was that the real danger of the public relations man or the advertising man was that they were creating images. And they felt that in the presidential campaigns, the candidates were really getting closer and closer together, there was no real difference between them and you were really voting for the man. And this got me to thinking, supposing this science were as far advanced during the Civil War as it is today and there was no Lincoln. Now the advertising people realizing this would have had to create a Lincoln. And I think they would have gone about it something like this. This is a telephone conversation between Abe and his press agent just before Gettysburg. Hi, <laughs> uh, Abe, sweetheart, how are you, How's <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gettysburg? <laughs> sort of a drag, huh? <laughs> Well, Abe, you know them small Pennsylvania towns. <laughs> hey, you seen one, you seen them all. All <laughs> right, uh, listen, Abe. I got the note. What, what? What's the problem?
5: You're, you're
4: You're thinking of shaving it off. Uh, Abe, uh, don't you see that's part of the image? Right, with the with the shawl and the stovepipe at the string tie. You, you don't have the shawl. Uh, where's the shawl, Abe? <laughs> You're left it in Washington. What are you wearing? A, a
0: sort of cardigan. So, you know, Bob Newhart, a master, a comedic genius, and a protag a a proponent of the one-sided phone call uh, to such a specific degree. His bobble, his uh, his imp- imparting of the information in that way is great. So, as I said, I had to I had to figure out some criteria going along here. Um so and then I was like oh great so I've got three sort of categories of calls which ca- which categories should I play first should I play the the true one-sided phone calls that I've collected first or should I lead up to them with the other two most frequently occurring categories one of which is obviously phone calls with cutaways to other actors um and then one-sided calls with audio of the other side, which is a a large category, probably the most populous category, to be honest with you, because in doing so, I think screenwriters can can impart more information, and then truly one-sided phone calls. Now, what I've decided to do is to end with the truly one-sided phone calls and to give you a few examples of some of the other ones. The first one is a great film starring the late great John Candy, it is a wonderful display of comic timing and holding the screen by yourself, even though there are two quick cutaways in this phone call with John Candy playing the character of Uncle Buck here. It's so freaking funny. I have some bad news. Let me guess. You
4: are not coming into work in the morning.
2: <laughs> Just l-
5: let... get No, but... You don't, would you just, let me, give me, let me get, let me get,
2: you're not, give me a,
5: oh.
2: Goodbye. I have some (laughs) bad news. (laughs) That's just so
0: good. (laughs) You can just imagine, uh, who's that, John Hughes, direct Uncle Buck, just being like, can you just do a minute of, you're trying to get a word in edgewise, and that's what he does. Now, I mentioned before that the verdict ends so pointedly with a phone not answered. One of the other most famous endings in movies, I realize, is phone related. How about the ending of Silence of the Lambs? That's such a great phone call moment. And also, it's such a great button because the film has ended already, ostensibly, right? They've caught the killer. And then there's this, you, take our you know, sort of cocktail party scene that's played for the a bunch of a laughs. And you don't see this coming the first time you've seen the film. Of course, now it's so iconic. But you, at the time, it wasn't a thing that Starling. you kind of saw. So Starling gets a call.
4: Starling. While Clarice, have the lambs stopped screaming?
5: Dr. Lecter?
4: Don't bother with the trace. I won't be on long enough.
3: Where are you, Dr. Lecter?
4: I have no plans to call on you, Clarice. The world's more interesting with you in it.
0: So you take care now to extend me the same courtesy.
1: You know I can't make that promise.
4: I do wish we could chat
1: longer, but... I'm having an old friend for dinner.
5: Bye.
2: Dr. Lecter. Dr. Lecter.
0: Dr. Lecter. (laughs) Dr. Lecter. (laughs) That's brilliant. And it also features a nice heavy phone, as you know, I like. So that's a great moment as well. One of the things I enjoyed in researching this episode was finding new twists to phone call scenes. So once I watched a million of these, you kind of recognize the similarity between approaches where you're going to have, as we just did there, two actors on screen intercut with a phone call that they are supposed to be on. Now, of course, what I love is thinking about the reality of filming that and how There are moments and there are films that we've discussed where the other side of the phone call is actually happening in real time. I think that happened on All the President's Men, although I'm not sure. I should have looked it up in advance of recording this episode. But, hey, life gets in the way. I liked finding new twists to phone call scenes. Here's one from the underrated Steven Spielberg film, AI, where –
5: Honey, hand it to me Look what I can do
0: So he answers the phone and the sounds come out of his robot voice
5: Hello <sighs> Yes Mrs. Swinton, could you hold a moment I have an urgent call from your husband
2: Yes, I will uh, David, I-, I need to talk to the phone now
1: Monica Monica, can you hear me,
2: Monica?
1: Let the phone Monica, talk now. Can Come you on. hear
5: me?
0: Pick up the phone, Monica. Run along, Pick up okay. the phone, Monica. Oh my God, Monica. That's so creepy. It's such a great scene. I, I really want to watch AI again because, you know, you just watch Spielberg's mastery in simple scenes like that and the way he creates tension and anxiety and the way he uses the innocent childlike visage to turn creepy through something so familiar and ordinary and then also by using just the right type of phone call in that character's uh, acting to make it even more creepy. So again, these are phone calls that either feature other actors in the scene or have cutaways to other actors. Here's another appropriately Lynchian scene that I discovered. This is from Lost Highway, the David Lynch film starring Bill Pullman. And this is really unique because in this scene, Bill Pullman has a phone conversation with a creepy guy, played in the movie by alleged real life creepy guy, Robert Blake, who recently passed away, even as that creepy guy is standing right in front of him at a party. (laughs) Uh, So that's a nice twist. Uh, And also this party is so brilliantly, so brilliantly laid out by David Lynch so he's at this party and he finds Robert Blake who's wearing this white pancake makeup and this childlike shit
4: eating grin we've met before haven't we I don't think so
0: where was it you think we met
1: at your house, don't you remember?
0: It's interesting how Lynch took out all the party noise in the background, even though the party's no, still visibly no, going don't.
1: on. Are you sure? Of course.
3: As a matter of fact, I'm there right now.
2: What do you mean you're where right now? At
4: your house? That's fucking crazy, man.
0: By the way, gotta love Call the old me. Motorola flip phone with the antenna and the leather case with the little plastic cover. That's what he's handing Bill Pullman. your number.
2: Go ahead. I told you I was here. How'd you do that?
3: Ask me. How'd you get inside my house?
4: You invited me. It is not my custom to go where I'm not wanted.
0: <laughs> so I, I just love there's a, there's someone obviously sitting down and thinking, how, how can I not do the standard phone call conversation? Another thing I realized along the way is that some of my favorite filmmakers clearly appreciate phone scenes and have always tried to make them interesting. The Big Lebowski, which I did an episode on, with uh, Michael Chernis, which is a great episode. It's one of the films I've I've done on the pod where I wasn't a huge fan of the film before going into it and then kind of really was finally able to be open to the genius of it. And now it's one of my favorite Coen Brothers films. This is an interesting phone conversation used in the scene between the dude, played by Jeff Bridges, and Julianne Moore and David Thewlis, who play these ridiculously over-the-top art world characters, and this is great because it's almost kind of a non-verbal well, phone call uh, scene no, in a way that's exactly. unique. Uh,
5: this is a very complicated case, Mod. You know, a lot of ins, a lot of outs, a lot of what-have-yous, and uh, a lot of uh, strands to keep in my
3: head, man. You know, a lot of strands in old Deuter's head.
4: If Uli doesn't have it, then who
2: does? <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's Sandro about the Biennale. Uh,
2: look, I have to take this. Do you still have that
4: doctor's
0: number? <laughs> oh, no, really, it's a Sandro. It's Sandro about losing. the Biennale.
4: Oh, please, Jeffrey, I don't want to be responsible for any delayed after effects. <laughs> Dime, Sandro. See? After See? See? Que <ridiculo>. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: And they're just laughing as the dude stands there, confused and not included. So that's another interesting use. Here's another example from the Coen brothers. And there's gonna be several other examples of Coen brother films in the other two categories, by the way. But in this category, again, featuring other actors. And you heard this in the supercut. This is a great scene from No Country for Old Men. Again, old-school, heavy phone. Javier Bardem so brilliant.
2: Hello? Yes. Is uh, Carson Wells there? Not in the sense that you mean.
3: Because he's just killed him?
5: You need to come see me.
2: Who is this? You know who it is. You need to talk to me. I don't need to talk to you. I think you do. Do you know where I'm going? Why would I care where you're going? I know where you are. Yeah, where am I? You're in the hospital across the river, but that's not where I'm going.
0: What's amazing about this scene is even though it intercuts between Javier Bardem in the apartment or motel room where he has killed this character um, that the other guy is looking for. I can't remember his name. Oh, what's his name? Llewellyn Moss played by... (sighs) (laughs) Uh, Why does this always happen to me right when I'm in the middle of taping? I'm hoping that you're yelling out the most obvious answer. Josh Brolin, for crying out loud, Jason. Jesus Christ. So Josh Brolin is never shown. He's he's on the phone, but his back is to the camera. And Javier Bardem is facing the camera in this brilliant lighting setup. So they're intercutting this, and then it's also complicated because sometimes you are with the person who is speaking in the frame, and so his audio is primary, and then other times you are with the other person who's listening and the audio is through the telephone. So it, using these different elements helps create different sort of emotional temperatures in these scenes.
2: Do you know where I'm going? Yeah, I know where you're going. All right. You know she won't be there. It doesn't make any difference where she is. So what are you going up there for? You know how this is gonna turn out, don't you? Nope. I think you do. So this is what I'll offer. You bring me the money and I'll let her go.
5: Otherwise she's accountable, same as you.
2: That's the best deal you're gonna get. I won't tell you you can save yourself because you can't. Yeah, I'm going to bring you something, all right? I decided to make you a special project of mine. You ain't going to have to come look for me at all.
0: So that's just a brilliant use of a phone call scene to create this sense of foreboding and of events being set in motion, which these protagonists and antagonists are unable to affect the flow of history that we're watching here. One of the most unusual ones that I found was from Paris, Texas, taking you all the way back to the 90s independent cinema movement. And this is another one of those kind of very creatively set up scenes. Excuse
3: me, sir, but were you to visit me the other day?
0: I don't mean to pry. No. So what's interesting about this is in the construct, Natasha Kinski's character here works in a sort of, uh, I don't even know what you would really call it. It's kind of a diner-like setup with a one-way mirror, and she entertains male clients who mm-hmm. sit on the other side of the mirror, and she can't see them. Please go And, you know, ostensibly, it's like a, a strip, club show, a peep show of sorts, but Harry Dean Stanton is, is using this uh, to- What do you
3: mean, test her?
0: He found her after not knowing where she was for years and years and years. So he's on the phone in the front of the frame and she is on the other side of the one-way mirror in the background. But she didn't. She's just worried about him. And he's not facing her. He's not looking at her pointedly. So it's an interesting use of the phone as a communication device, which is a flip on prison scenes where people are facing each other across a glass divider. And again, we're using the different audio here, right? So now we're in her part of the room. And you're hearing his voice disembodied on the phone. In this way you can see the exchange. effect that his words have on her.:
3: he stopped drinking. He got a steady job.
0: more directly.:
3: He was convinced that she loved him now because she was carrying his
0: child She's putting together she that she to knows who this is. A because again, she can't see him, and she but hasn't heard from him in 20, 25 years.:
3: What?: he didn't even So
0: that's him. another interesting wrinkle on the phone call genre that I came across. Now, of course, other films that we've done here on the podcast, like Heat, feature an incredible amount of phone call scenes.
2: Yeah, Roger Zandt. Yeah, who's this? You know what this is. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I sent a guy to deliver the package. He didn't call. Is everything right? Tell you what, forget the money. What? Forget the the money. It's a lot of money. What are you doing? What do you mean, forget the money? What am I doing? I'm talking to an empty telephone. I don't understand. Because there was a dead man on the other end of this fucking line.
0: So here you have just intercut scenes and you don't really ever hear the f- the audio coming through the telephone, even though you do cut back to Roger Van Zant being told these things by De Niro on the other end of the phone line, but the audio remains essentially the same. When we cut back to De Niro in the diner where he's making this phone call from, there's a little more gnat sound behind him, but man in this call doesn't use that device of kind of having a from the from the phone audio. And then, of course, there are films like Hitchcock's Dial M for Murder entirely based on the phone. And in this case, the whole plot of the film is tied up in this phone call. Hello. Where her husband, who is trying to have her killed, is listening on the other end of the phone voyeuristically. Hello. As the killer stands behind her, and again it's using this vulnerability of being on the telephone so that when he finally starts strangling her we see all this her husband is hearing all of this on his half of the phone call and this pretty brutal attempted murder plays out in all of Hitchcock's weird blonde fetishistic stuff is in evidence here in his completely masterful and insane filmmaking. And she she kills the guy choking her by stabbing him in the back with a small pair of scissors, which somehow kills him. I guess Hitchcock does it nicely so that he falls on the scissors, and I guess we're meant to believe that penetrates his heart and then they end up having a phone call because again her husband is on the other end of the call and well, she doesn't know that because he never identified himself quickly police he's not expecting to hear her be alive Margot where's that darling it's me
1: oh, Tony Tony thank God come back at once what's the matter
2: I, I can't explain now come quickly and
1: you can hear again
2: together. What is it?
0: how the audio playing through the phone receiver is such a part of the Did it get away? toolbox here. When directors are using telephone call scenes in films, so those are a few selections from phone calls with cutaways to other actors. Of course, there are scenes from films which 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 use other actors. That are among the
3: clones. most famous in That's the whole Mike. movie. Hey, Jerry Maguire.
0: This is a whole, like, very complicated. I think you're making a big mistake. Two guys I'm concerned dialing, about family. I'm concerned about having one-sided phone you stay calls, here, I don't know what's gonna a few sure, sorry. I have a long cutaways with SMI, to you know, I, yeah. other like
5: sides to of the story.
3: Do you think Maguire knows what it's like to be a black guy? Bob Sugar,
5: he, he's uh. He's, a, he's a entertaining, funny. He said, I don't know what it's like to be a black person. I'm Mr. Black People. <laughs> like I say, I mean, I don't make it harder and it is. Yeah, is.
4: I've got to be honest with you. This is very personally distressing for
2: me. I haven't seen you
5: since we were with that stripper in Laguna Beach. You remember her name?
4: No.
5: I do. It was April. That's my job. Remember the
3: names of skanks that you bang on the road? That's what I do. It's not about the money. I do it all for you. Hello, Mary Lee. It's Jerry Maguire still holding for Katerina. Hey, I'm talking about money, ho! Well, i got to tell you, it's, you know what? It's been a great time. Has Jay Moore ever been well? more perfectly it's cast? It's show friends, it's show business. You are it
0: and then of course where do we end up
5: jerry i want to cry for personal
0: attention we end up here
1: i said more
5: personal attention
0: this is probably just this,
5: this is the most famous, famous phone
0: call scene in all of movies for you i, would I will say.
5: rape and pillage for you i am a valuable commodity i go across the middle i see a dude coming at me trying to kill me i tell myself get killed catch the ball Booyah, touchdown, I make miracles happen. I just need to know, are you in or are you out? I'm from Arizona, Jerry. I broke Arizona records. Rod. I went to Arizona State. Rod. I'm a sun devil, man. And now you want Arizona dollars. Exactly. I understand I'm, what you're Jerry, saying, Jerry, I'm Rod. sitting here with an ant problem. I got ants going up and down my hallway. Rod, my Rod, brother T.P.'s room is flooded with water. Rod. We got a flood in T.P.'s room, Jerry. Hang on. Say hello to Jerry Maguire. Rod, listen. Hello, brother Maguire. A- L-O-T-V. T- Jerry, my house is falling apart. Nobody's looking out for Rod Tidwell. We don't know where we are gonna live in a year. And I'm supposed to be a superstar, man. Rod, I need a decision from you. Are you in or are you out? And you are gonna be so happy you stayed with Bob Sugar because be I am fucking the fucking Terminator. I am a role model, Jerry. I have a family to support, hear me? Uh. I wanna stay in Arizona. I want my new contract. But I like you. Yes, I like you, Jerry. My wife likes you. You're good to my wife. I will stay with you. That's that's great, I'm very happy. Are you listening? Yes. That's what I'm gonna do for you. God bless you, Jerry. But this is what you're gonna do for me. You listen, Jerry? Yeah, w- 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 what can I do for you, Ron? You just tell me, what can I do for you? It's a very personal, very important thing. Hell, it's a family model. Are you ready, Jerry? I'm ready. I just wanna make sure you're ready, brother. Here it is. Show me the money. Okay,
0: you get the point. I'm, I'm, sucking, I'm getting sucked into watching Jerry Maguire, which typically happens. And the master, one of the masters,
1: Paul. How about Michael you are the Keaton? Most unethical, unprincipled. With. I gray believe you in had the the paper. Ball to do it slow 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 down slow down what are, what are you talking about god damn you this is a very traditional
0: the, the scene where we're item. just seeing well, them intercut right between both sides of the call
1: uh, uh, uh,
0: uh, uh, my but, you know Keaton's physicality as talked no, about in my
1: well, hold on a
0: second, Ray Nicolet, Cinematic if Universe. Were working
1: on a thing, huh? His
0: oh, physicality is so good when he's I mean, alone in a Sentinel scene like this and he's just on a phone did call. His gesticulations, because, his uh, facial expressions. He
1: you know, they could get you in a lot of trouble for something like that. In fact, he's, might even the way he scratches his cheek sure,
0: and uses the pencil that he's tapping. Come,
1: come, come the you know what? Why do I do this? Hold on a second. Henry, get He's performative and he's
0: one of the actors who does this so well.
1: I just want to ask him a question.
0: Okay. (laughs) So the other big category, as I talked about, is one-sided audio where you hear the audio of the other side of the phone call. And this allows you to get a little bit more information than maybe you're getting from some of the other ones. Here's an example from the film Boiler Room, where Giovanna Ribisi is eating a bowl of cereal, and he's the master
3: phone salesman. Carl.
1: Hi, Mr. Davis, this is Ron calling you from the Daily News. How are you doing
3: this morning? It's Davis and I'm not interested.
1: Okay, I'm sorry to bother you. Have a nice day.
3: Wait a minute. Wait, that's your pitch? You consider that a sales call? Well, um... You know, I get a call from you guys every Saturday and it's always the same half-assed attempt. If you guys want to close me, you should sell me. All right. All right, start again.
1: Okay. Hi. This is Ron from the Daily News. How
3: are you doing this morning? Shitty, what do you want?
1: It's not what I want, sir. It's what you want.
3: Ron, now we're talking. All right, what are you selling me? I'm
1: offering you a subscription to the Daily News at a substantially reduced price. We're trying to reach out to people that have never had home delivery before.
3: Right, so basically you're saying that everybody else who already has a subscription is getting fucked on this one?
2: Yeah, I I guess so.
3: All right, well, I can handle that. So tell me, why should I buy your paper? I mean, you know, I, I... I mean, why shouldn't I get the Times or the Voice, you know?
1: Well, the Village Voice is free, sir. So if you want it, you should certainly pick it up. But the Daily News offers you something no other paper can, a real taste of New York. We have the best features, more photographs than any other daily in New York, and we have the most reliable delivery in the city. Now, what do you
3: think? You know what I think, Ron? I think that was a sales call.
0: <laughs> so that's an exact use where having a little of additional information is useful. There's another is iconic many, many, one.
4: Well, Were we get
3: straight out? No, we had a problem. I mean, uh, we tried to do
2: everything we could. What do you mean? Well, you know what I mean. He's gone, and we couldn't do nothing about it. That's it. What do you mean? What do you mean? Uh, he's gone. He's gone. That's it.
0: Now what's great about this is again, in the hands of someone like Scorsese. Oh, you have the shot from outside the phone booth. De Niro is in the phone booth, but his audio is from inside the phone booth. Even though we are outside the phone booth, if that makes sense to you. Uh,
2: who's this? This is Vinny. Vinny, what happened? Well, Were we got straight out. No, we had a problem. I
0: mean, and you uh, never see Vinny; you just Winnie. hear Vinny. Well, you know what I mean. He's gone. And, and do I don't know. I'm just. I I love this stuff because you have to think about the. Like normally I don't like getting outside the spell of the film when looking at the acting. But what I love about these phone call scenes is obviously De Niro had to act this scene without Vinny actually on the payphone on the other side, I presume. And that's all put in later. So what's he reacting to? How many times did they do this? This is the type of stuff I would personally love to watch a making of, (laughs) Uh, category in this category also you have again like dial M for murder you have the colin farrell film phone booth
4: if you hang on i will kill you
0: which uses you this do
3: about it? Open your high window your different Minocles? construct in the I've
0: sense where we that see that colin farrell no. spends the whole movie inside I have a, phone a booth. highly magnified telescopic image and then you have this now what kind of device the voice is not coming that. through the phone which to me is weird. The 30 Kiefer 30 Sutherland's other side of the call
2: is is not on a phone call. Hands hold tactical scope, and it's staring straight at you.
5: Yeah, how's my fucking hair?
2: <laughs> at this range, the exit wound ought to be about the size of a small tangerine.
0: Nice try, pal. Go to hell.
4: Now. Dazzle. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, phone booth. Now here we get into three of my most favorite one, I'm gonna call these one sided even though they're really not. This is Riley Diefenbach from GMAC. Riley are Diefenbach calling Real how are you
4: doing. Pretty good, Mr. Lundegaard. You're
0: damn hard Jerry to get Lundegaard on the
4: phone. in Fargo. <laughs> it's pretty darn busy here, but that's the way we like it. Well that's <laughs> for sure. Now I
0: just need on these last uh, these financing documents that you sent us. I can't read the serial
4: numbers of the vehicles. Yeah, but I, I already got the. It's okay. The loans are in place. I already got the the what the. Yeah,
0: the uh, three hundred twenty thousand.
4: You got the money last month. Yeah. So we're all set then. Yeah,
0: but the vehicles that you're borrowing on, I I just can't read the serial numbers on your application. Maybe if you could just uh, read them. Yeah, but the deal's
3: already done. I already got the money.
0: Yes. We have an audit here. I just have to know that these vehicles you're financing with this money, that they really exist. Yeah,
3: well,
4: <laughs> they exist, all right.
0: <laughs> no, no, I'm sure they do. But I, I can't read the serial
5: numbers here, so if you could read me. So yeah, but uh, see, um, <laughs> I don't have them in front and of me. And this it. one's a little different because
0: the Riley Diefenbach side of the call is so involved. It contains much of, I don't want to say the humor because it's really... Uh, the obfuscation part of the call that we're looking at that is so funny. And then another great example, and also a great use of these phones. Jerry
5: Lindegaard. All right, Jerry, you got the phone is yourself? is when
0: Buscemi calls well, Jerry. Well, yeah.
4: You know this is? Well, yeah, I got an idea. And what's great How's is we never see Buscemi here. So we just hear changed, him. Jerry. Well, what do you mean? Things have changed, circumstances, Jerry. Beyond the uh, acts of God, force majeure.
3: What? The? How's Jean? Who's Jean? My wife.
4: Oh. What the? She, 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 she's all right, but there's three people up in Brainerd
5: who aren't so okay. At...
0: <laughs> so this is a great uh, use of William H Macy. Is just a master of being on these phone calls, and then of course the iconic, the forever, the brilliant.
3: I'm turning in, Norm.
0: Mike Yanagida.
4: Here it is throwing off the larval envelope.
0: This is the rare example where a one-sided phone call turns into a real life meeting. Yeah, is
4: this Marge? Yeah. Margie Olmstead. Yeah. Who's this?
1: This is Mike yanagita You know, Mike yanagita remember me?
2: Mm-hmm. Mike Yanagita? Yeah. Well, yeah. Of course I remember you. How, how are you doing? What time is it?
0: Oh, jeez. Uh, it's a quarter to
2: 11. Uh, I hope I didn't wake you. No. That's okay. Yeah, I, I'm down in the twin.
5: Uh, And I was just watching on TV about these shootings up in Brainerd, and I saw you on the news there.
2: Yeah. I
5: thought, jeez, is that Marty Olmstead? I can't believe it.
2: Yeah, that's me. Well, how the heck are you? Okay, you know. So,
0: again, you never see Stephen Park here. You never, you just hear him coming through the phone. How are
2: you doing? Oh,
0: pretty good. Oh,
2: Oh, heck. (laughs) Pretty good. It's been such a long time. I (laughs) I think
0: Mike Yanagina is-
2: It's great to hear from you.
0: One of the greatest film cameos of all time. And that scene is great. And then, of course, you know, it's so good that you could imagine it maybe being ruined when Mike Yanagina shows up in real life, but it's not because Stephen Park is so genius and they're so great together. Does this count? The- Poltergeist 2 kids toy phone call scene. It's a great creepy trope, right? The toy that shouldn't actually be able to receive phone calls that's ringing. I mean, if I was this girl I would just take the phone throw it out the window
5: Do you have wings now? My ballerina costume does. Grammy? Who are you? No? Uh Uh-uh. I don't remember.
0: Oh, then her doll turns her head. It's creepy. I can't speak to whether Poltergeist 2 is actually worth the effort, but... Pretty good scene. Speaking of Lecter,
1: uh, I don't have the use of my arms. Michael Mann's Manhunter, to,
0: uh, in 1986, 40, the first please. appearance of Lecter on the screen,
1: What's the Area code features a nice five, little bit of phone six, hacking
0: six, two, from Brian Cox as Doctor Sidney, as Lecter. Room, please. He uses in, chewing gum and
5: What's a piece exactly, of metal
0: to. Um, Mar- create connections on a phone that doesn't have a dial. He's not allowed to make Martha calls, King, yes? obviously.
3: Hi, Martha. Martha doesn't come in
0: night. He's basically <laughs> phone freaking and social engineering. This is Bob
1: Greer of Blaine & Edwards Publishing Company. Dr. Bloom asked me to send a copy of the psychiatrist and the law to someone. Martha never sent me the address and phone number. She'll be in in the morning. Well, I've got to catch Federal Express in about five minutes. I'd be immensely appreciative if you could pull it out of a Rolodex for me. I'll bet you has a call caddy right next to a phone. Yeah. Well, zip that little pointer right on down to the letter G. <laughs> All right. The name we're looking for, last name Graham. What's great about this is scene is it's otherwise Mr. incredibly Will.
0: simple, aside from the business of how he gets the outside line, how he tricks the operator into dialing for him. But other than that, it's a locked down shot, three-quarter shot. You just see Brian Cox's lector here. Uh and you hear the other side of the phone call, but it is it's it's a great example of what you can do. Here's a deleted scene. Yeah. From I the Godfather.
3: Yeah, I think so, uh
4: Detective Squad, right? Don't say my name, just
2: listen. Somebody shot your father outside his place
4: fifteen minutes uh. ago. Uh is he dead? close enough to find out. There's blood all over the place. Look, I'll see what I can do. You find out what you can, you got a grand coming, right?
0: So this is the deleted scene of Sonny getting the news of Don Corleone being shot. And it's a great use of Khan's kind of volcanic temper mingled with real sadness and emotion here. You know, so obviously this is Sonny receiving the news, whereas before and in the film, the news is imparted to us through Diane Keaton and Al Pacino walking by the newsstand. So it's a little bit more of a dynamic scene there. And Pacino's character getting the news is a bit more, um, it's a bit more appropriate for where the film is going. So you can see why they deleted that scene. Now, Lost in America, as noted, I'm not going to play it again here because I just covered it. But there's a, one of my favorite, I'm calling it a one-sided phone call, even though it's sort of not really a one-sided phone call because, but it is a unique one in that it is um, Albert Brooks doing both sides of the call. We see him on his office phone talking to Hans, the Mercedes dealer. It's brilliant. Nashville had some great ones. Fast Time has some great ones. The Insider has some great ones. A bunch of episodes that I've done here are probably where I've shouted these out in the past. Now, I could have done an episode entirely about one-sided phone calls using only all the president's men, which is another episode I've done here on the podcast. You can check that out. It's one of my very, very favorite films. This film contains... I don't even know how many. I'd have to count them. There probably is enough. I've got three that I excerpted here just to show you the different ways that they're used geniusly.
2: Uh, I I know I shouldn't be telling you this. Uh,
1: I gave it to Mr. Stans.
2: I beg your pardon? Uh, I I gave it to Stans. Maurice Stans? The head of finance for Nixon? Yes, in, in Washington.
0: No. Now he's yeah, doing there. Robert Redford is doing yeah, there no. what they, what Nick Kroll and John see, Mulaney were uh, making were fun of in Hollow, where he's that's, he's, that's he's giving I, him I the information about <laughs> who stands
3: Regretus. is. Mr. I'm sorry. Thank you very much.
0: And what's great about these scenes are that when you have actors the caliber of of uh, Redford, you can impart information on his face in the same way you can with Dustin Hoffman. And they are both Mr. such- Bernstein? Yes, ma'am. Expressive I listeners.
4: Wrong. I beg your pardon? The truth is I don't have a, a, a card that says Mr. Hunt to any
0: material. So in this scene where the librarian comes oh, back on the phone oh, and starts I lying to
4: Bernstein. I do to remember
2: Bernstein. getting material for somebody, but it wasn't for Mr. Hunt. All
4: right. The truth is I didn't have any requests at all for Mr. Hunt.
5: Oh
2: uh, The
4: truth is I don't
2: know any Mr. Um. Uh. Uh, I was just wondering if any... His uh, reporter uh, trick here of just
0: picture. allowing oh. silence to fill the call so that she feels obligated to continue saying more things is a great use of the medium here as well. And he has another kind of important I know. critical moment when
2: When Robards things, is a
0: un- un- oh, unsure whether he skin. can go with the story, and Bernstein is on this call where he's... He's basically using lack of response as confirmation, which is which is against the law
2: for you to say, if there's some way you could warn us to hold on the story, we'd appreciate it. I'd really like to help you, but I can't. Look, I'm going to count to 10, all right? If there's any reason we should hold on the story, hang up the phone before I get to 10. If the story's all right, you'll just be on the phone after I get to 10, all right? Hang up, right? That's right. You got it? Yeah. We're straight. All right, I'm going to start counting. Okay? We all right? Yeah. Okay, I'm counting. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You got it straight now? Everything okay? Everything's fine.
0: So that's a great use of non responsiveness in order to convey plot using the phone call. One of my more favorite Hello. recent examples is Hello. De Niro Hello. in The Irishman. Hey, Joe. Joe. It, it's... it's, 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 it's yeah, Frank. Yeah, Frank. I, yeah. Yeah. So he has just killed Jimmy Hoffa. Now he's calling Hoffa's widow, who he's... Do you think close died? personal friends with.
2: He's got. <laughs> he, 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 he's got to be. You know, you, know, you got to think positively. It's just, you know, it ain't that long. He just. But do you? Do you know? You know. You know no, no, no. I mean, you know, maybe he did something like the Joe Bananas thing, where he, you know, had himself kidnapped and then came back, but he wasn't hurt. Nothing happened. Maybe. He maybe just, just felt, you know, he, he wanted to get to clear his head a bit, but you gotta just think that it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. He's, he, he's gonna be. Yeah, if, you, if you need anything, I'm here for you. What's incredible and, here is.
0: Anything. Both sides of this call are so well acted. Uh, yeah, I'll call, I'll, I'll call you. We're, we obviously are just in our. Simple yeah, lockdown shot it. with De Niro. And his acting is front and center, of course. But, I mean, her I emotional reaction on the other side of the call is what he is bobbling about. Huh?
2: Oh, okay, Joe. Okay. 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 Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. On,
0: I mean, he can't believe what he's done. And it's it's almost... The killing itself was a, a betrayal and a heinous act, but the call to the widow, which he knows he has to make in order to keep up the pretense that he didn't do it, is almost a worse offense in, in the sense that he has to add insult to an injury she doesn't know he is the source of. And that's kind of crazy. I wanted to throw in another outlier scene. Manhattan, please. Could I have the number of a this is from Patrick, after hours? P
1: A T Z A K.
0: Which I also it did on up. the show.
1: No. On Mulberry Street.
0: The great Catherine O'Hara screwing up Griffin Thank Dunn's you. Paul's attempt Five, to dial.
2: Eight, one, nine,
4: six, two.
1: That was funny. That was funny. <laughs> Potsick, please. P A T Z A K on Mulberry Street, in Manhattan. Thank you. Five, eight, six, two.
4: Don't. Nine. Three,
0: The frustration on his face is so good. Now I
1: have forgotten the number. What is wrong with you? Are you
4: alright? I have had a terrible, terrible night. Do you
0: understand? <laughs> Catherine O'Hara, one of the great comic actors of all time. Of course, another scene Look, from a film.
1: I'm busy, so why don't you get the hell out of here before I snap your dick off and jam it into your ass?
0: That has become. No, not you, Helen. <laughs>
1: No, we'll rip your tits off if you don't get me Better things. known
0: in the film itself is Tom Cruise's Perfect. cameo as Les Grossman.
1: Hey, Tugger Nuts, Tropic I've got Thunder. you on speakerphone. I'm standing here with Les Grossman, and he is dying to tell you why he has apparently wiped his ass with the TiVo claws from your
5: contract. We are flaming dragon. Speedman is with us now. For fifty million, You will get him back.
1: Now you're going to get those. Who, who is this?
0: I got to do greatest cameos and cover this cruise thing. I actually just found my ticket book the other day, which is in the late nineties, I kept all my movie theater tickets and I would just put them in this little notebook when I came back from the films. And I noticed that my wife started putting in some tickets after I kind of stopped.
1: This is the last gross Who is this? This
0: is flaming dragon.
1: Oh, okay. Flaming dragon. A fuck face. first, Take a big step back and literally fuck your own
0: face. <laughs> my wife wrote next to the tickets the for this that, that she didn't even realize co- it was Tom Cruise Jack is my territory so for the entire you film. which was actually a pretty common occurrence for people firestorm because firestorm you. You Cruise looks so different.
5: and has these prosthetic hairy
0: forearms. It's just so good.
5: Motherfucker I will massacre you. I will fuck you up.
0: And it's so brilliantly acted. You do see the Flaming Dragons portion of the call. And then, of course, the iconic toss of the phone at the end is so good. So let's get to the truly, truly one-sided phone call examples. This is another one you heard briefly in the beginning. It's John Favreau's brilliant, excruciatingly awkward and uncomfortable. Hi, this is Nikki. Leave a message. Multi take acting.
5: Hi, uh, Nikki, this is
0: Mike. I met you at the. Um, at the Dresden uh, tonight, uh,
1: I just called to, to say that I had a great time. And you should call me tomorrow or in uh, two, two days, uh, whatever. Anyway, uh, my number. Is 555 five? Four six seven nine.
0: And of course, what's genius here is, again, I've always loved the fact that, that movies and TV shows use 555 in order to put forth telephone numbers. And it's just such a weird thing to me every time it happens because I understand why they do it, because there are no 555 telephone numbers. But it also calls attention to itself in a way, and there are a few films, and I should probably dig them out, where they've used real numbers. And in some cases, filmmakers who are insane like me would... Actually, have a real number that if you called connected to a machine or a recording that had something to do with the film. That's happened as well. And this is just, again, a great use of a series of phone calls that gets increasingly awkward and uncomfortable and results in him breaking up with her on the telephone, even though they've never actually. Hang out and see where it goes <laughs> because it's nice and, you know, expectations. So. Okay, thanks a lot. So, what's great also is looking at swingers now is like how funnily dated it is. He's sitting here in his wife beater t shirt with his chain attached to his wallet, all of those Los Angeles early 90s vibes that are kind of funny to look back upon now. Now, here's I'm trying to think if there's another example of this. This is from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles.
5: Marie, you're a stitch. <laughs> no, Mom's gonna do the turkey. Yeah, Dad wants ambrosia, so I guess we gotta
4: the get those miniature e.
3: marshmallows.
1: And I'll do the crescent rolls, and you do the cranberries. You know I can't cook.
5: <laughs> oh. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I'll see you tomorrow then. Gobble, gobble. <laughs> oh,
2: bye, <bye-bye>. bye. <laughs>
3: Welcome to Marathon. May I help you? Yes. How may I help you?
5: You can start by wiping that fucking dumbass smile off your rosy fucking cheeks.
0: (laughs) And you can give me a. (laughs) What's brilliant about Edie McClurg in this is, in the first part of the scene, you know, we see that Steve Martin has been through hell, and he's just simply waiting in the rental car. I don't care for the way you're speaking to me. And I really don't care for the way your company left me in the middle of fucking nowhere. So her first part, she's on a one-sided phone call. We never hear the other side of her call, which is brilliant. And her ignoring of him, not even looking at him, is One so way. great. Her Back comic tell, she scratches her scalp face. with her pen while he's freaking I out here. I a fucking car right fucking now.
3: Yeah, I see your rental agreement.
0: <laughs> Edie McClurg, comic genius as well. What is this movie? Hi
3: there, this is Mike Donnelly. Oh, yeah. I work over here at the recreational Black Center. Black Sheep. To be honest with you, I pretty much run the place. <laughs> is this, uh, Pat Giles? Good, good. Chris Farley. Hey, I hope everything's going great in your fine town of, uh, Avery. Atwood. <laughs> Say, the reason I'm calling is I wanted to tell you a little bit about the candidacy of Al Donnelly. Al Donnelly's a guy with a dream. His dream is to become governor of this great state of Washington. Hell, every guy's got his dream, am I right? Between you, me, and the wall, I had a doozy myself last night. (laughs) Get this. A corn-fed harvest mouse, a hooker, a nun, a Flemish peasant woman, whips, chains, whistles, yo-yos, a circus midget, my grandmother riding by on a bicycle, give me the finger, and a duck. Now I don't know. <laughs> Are you crying? Oh, my Lord. I am sorry, honey. Please don't. Could you get your daddy on the phone? No, <laughs> don't hang up, please. I
2: <laughs> Oh,
0: my God. Chris Farley, as you can see, would have continued to be the master of the truly one-sided phone call. This is great because the joke is not only the ridiculously elaborate dream sequence that he's recounting, but then the fact that he's actually talking to a child. Uh, While, by the way, having the phone strapped to his head through one of those red, white, and blue sweatpants. Genius. Is this the most famous phone call sequence in movie history right now?
2: I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you are looking for a ransom, I can tell you I don't have money, but what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I have acquired.
0: What I don't like about this. Skills that make me a nightmare for people I believe like this is visibly ADR. If you ADR. now, that'll be the no, end. We talked it. about that before. I will not look for you. I believe it's looped after the fact, because the way the audio is at the start of this call doesn't really match the room that we're in. And I think that the closeness of Liam Neeson's voice to the mic I don't know who here, you are.
2: I don't know what you want. If you're looking for ransom, I can tell you I don't have money. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills.
0: So- This is a phone call scene that bothers me because it doesn't even try for the verisimilitude of actually having a phone call. Another amazing example. This is another answering machine. This is from American Psycho, Christian Bale.
2: (laughs) it's Bateman, Patrick Bateman. (laughs) You're my lawyer, so
0: I think you should know I've killed a lot of people some escort girls in an apartment uptown uh, some homeless people maybe 5 or 10 um, an NYU girl I met in Central
5: Park I left her in a parking lot behind some donut shop I killed Bethany my old girlfriend with a nail
2: gun uh, and uh, some a man of some, some old faggot with a dog last week I, uh, I killed another girl with a chainsaw <laughs> I had to <laughs>
5: Just-
0: she almost got- Christian Bale going typically Christian Bale all in on Patrick Bateman. And again, it's just a good use because I think if I remember the twist of sort of the end of American Psycho is either all this stuff happened and he just continues on with his Wall Street life or that none of it actually happened and he's just completely insane. Honestly, I can't really remember. But there you have it. Uh, another great example of a Jerry. unique one is this one in Fargo.
3: Wade, it's Jerry. I don't know what to do. It's Gene. I don't know
5: what to do. It's my wife. I don't know what to do. It's Gene. Yeah, Wade, it's Jerry.
0: We don't know until this cutaway that he's rehearsing.
3: We got to talk. It's something hard. Jeez, it's terrible.
0: And then the genius of it is when he makes the actual call, it's the mundanity.
1: Uh,
0: uh, yeah. Wade Gustafson, please. <laughs> That's the most. Brilliant. Uh, d- 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 Wade Gustafson, please. That's like the thing they'd play back to you when they're interrogating you to prove that you had premeditated this kidnapping of your own wife. I'm going to end here with just two more. Another De Niro one. This is. Oh, Betsy. So brilliant from Team Forever.
2: I just, listen, uh, I'm, I'm sorry about the, the other night. I didn't know that was the way you felt about it. This is, the,
0: this is, of course, the phone call that he's making after Travis took Betsy on a date to see a porno movie in that excruciatingly awkward sequence. And here he is calling her from a payphone in, in, in a hallway in an apartment and, it, and the apartment has three telephones on the wall. One of them is sort of an intercom-type device. The other is kind of a house phone, which has a rotary dial, and then he's on the iconic New York City payphone here. And this is, again, from the majority of this call, just a simple shot with De Niro not facing us. And we don't hear anything on the other call. The other- Well,
2: the I, I didn't know that was the way you felt. I, I, I was taking you somewhere else. Uh, are you feeling better, or? Well, maybe you had a, a virus or something, 24-hour virus. You know, it's gonna happen. Yeah. Um, you, uh, you've been working hard. I was. Yeah. Uh, would you like to have uh, some dinner uh, with me um, the next, you know, a few days or something? Well, how about just a cup of coffee and come by the, uh, the headquarters or something, and we could, uh... oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, did you get my flowers in the, you didn't get them, but I sent them. And then flowers. the camera
0: pans to the right, and it shows the hallway and the street open. Yeah. Well, the far end of the okay, hallway. okay. Can, can I and call De Niro you again? is now uh, uh, off camera.
2: Then tomorrow, or the next day.
0: His desperation okay. mounting. Oh, no, I'm going
2: Okay, yeah, sure. Okay.
0: So long. It's such an incredible scene, and to think about why you're not hearing her part of the conversation, it makes it more desperate. Because if you could hear her, kind of, you know from froming on the other end of the call, obfuscating, attempting to kind of put him off or dissuade him, or ultimately just saying no to the concept of an additional date with this guy, it would actually be less effective, I think, than just observing and hearing through Travis's end of the phone conversation um, alone.
2: You, uh, the you've been working hard, that was, yeah.
0: Just how it's not happening.
2: Uh, would you like to have uh, some dinner uh, with me in um, the next, you know, a
0: few days or something? Well, how about just a cup of coffee? Come by. You know, that silence, or we could, uh, which then he comes in, she's oh, obviously saying no, okay, okay. giving him an excuse, and then, well, well, how about a cup of coffee, which she says no to as flowers, well. You know? And it's just, again, these you didn't get these scenes had in had the hands flowers, of masters uh, can do so much more than impart the information they're here to impart. And so speaking of masters, there's only one.
1: Listen, I I can't hear too well. Do you suppose you could turn the music down just a little?
0: Oh, oh, that's much better. This is Peter Sellers (laughs) and Dr. Strangelove Uh, calling his Fine, I can hear
1: you now, Dimitri.
0: Dimitri. Clear
1: and plain and coming through fine.
0: To explain I'm coming to him through that nuclear I'm weapons good, have been launched then, against the Soviet Union.
1: Well, then, as
0: you say, we're both coming through
1: fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine, and, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. <laughs> now then, Dimitri. you know how we've always talked about the possibility of something going wrong with the bomb. The bomb, Dimitri, the hydrogen bomb. Well now, what happened is, um, one of our base commanders, he had a sort of, well, he went a little funny in the head. You know, just a little funny. And uh, he went and did a silly thing. Well, I'll tell you what he did, he ordered his planes To attack your country. Uh, Well, let me finish, Dimitri. Let me finish, Dimitri. Well, listen, how do you think I feel about it? Can you imagine how I feel about it, Dimitri? Why do you think I'm calling you? Just to say hello? Of course I like to speak to you.
0: This of is such I a like brilliant, satirical piece of writing Not and now, performing and production we design. Just up to tell you the terrible echo of his voice in this it's set. It's a friendly call. Of course it's a friendly call. Listen, if it wasn't friendly, you probably wouldn't have even got it. <laughs> if it wasn't friendly, you probably wouldn't have even got it. So those are just a few examples of what we're calling broadly one-sided phone calls. Not all of them are truly one-sided, but those that I played here at the ending portion are. I would love to hear of the ones you have thought of that I haven't thought of. So please reach out and let me know of any ones that I've forgotten. And I will be back next week with another episode of the Full Cast and Crew podcast recorded entirely through a telephone.